Hello there, beautiful people of the world. Welcome to Shine Brighter with Liz, a podcast on personal growth and lifestyle development. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Danielle Pujadas. I'm an actress, a life coach, and a podcast host, and you are in the right place. First and foremost, want to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast. It's been a minute since I dropped my last episode, which was with John, and it was an awesome episode and got awesome feedback from you guys so I really appreciate that the reason it took me a bit to drop this episode is simply because I got water damage on my computer which was really upsetting I was working out and I spilled a water bottle on it and thankfully I didn't lose any of my content so I have a bunch of episodes lined up for you with some amazing guests thank you guys for being so patient with me I really appreciate it today's guest is none other than dr. Mona guys I've been a huge fan of this woman for a really long time. She's a pharmacist turned entrepreneur with her focus on health and wellness and her content is seriously amazing. She has so much research in her content and really provides just really healthy tips in eating and vegan diets and clean products and she's always bringing on new guests and different kinds of concepts to just really keep informing her audience and I really really appreciate all of her content and I've come to love her just because her content is always real and raw and I know that she's honestly speaking from a place of knowledge. So yeah, without further ado, guys, this is my incredible episode with Dr. Mona. All right, we are recording. Thank you so much, Dr. Mona, for sitting down with me to be on my podcast. I'm super humbled and excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm just so pumped to dive in with you. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I always love to start off my podcast with asking my guests just to explain to the audience like who are you where are you from what were you like as a child it's kind of an open-ended um right it's a it's a long question like what's really been your journey from like childhood to where you are now obviously we'll go more in depth but just like let's talk about yeah just you as a kid and 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 who were you are like at your your core your essence um you know I've always I guess I don't really know what to get into as like a young kid but I know um, there's definitely two things I was interested in as a kid. Um, I like I always said I wanted to be a doctor, and then I also what like changed my mind on that kind of wanted to be a news anchor. And I always like, laugh at that thinking back because I've kind of found a way to like <laughs> combine those in my career now. Um, so in terms of that, that's something I can remember. Um, I've always been sensitive. I would say more of like a sensitive soul. Like I can feel people's feelings really easily. So if like someone I care about is sad, it definitely makes me sad or I can just, I can feel people's emotions really easy. I guess I could call myself an empath. Um, but besides that, I've always been really adventurous. I think one thing I've always wanted to do was like, I always wanted like bigger, better, more. Like I was always striving for something more than was like maybe put right in front of me. Um, you know, I grew up in upstate New York with my mom, but my dad lived in LA my whole life, as did my brother. So I always like knew that was like what I wanted to do. And like, I, I guess maybe like seeing more of the world coming from a different culture. Um, I was never necessarily satisfied with like the norm. So I knew that my life like would be a little bit unconventional. I wasn't sure why, because I'm very traditional in other aspects like marriage and kids, but in terms of like my day to day, what my life would look like, I never really liked the kind of conventional path. So I guess that's the best way to summarize it. Right. Where did you grow up? So my mom and dad came from Iran. Okay. Um, when they were, I mean, eighteen, and they, their plan was to just come to the U.S. for for education and then go back to Iran. So I was supposed to live in Iran. Then the revolution happened, so they couldn't go back. 
Um, and they were in like a small town in upstate New York because my dad was getting his PhD there at like a good school for engineering. And while they were there, they ended up divorcing mm. and it just kind of worked out. My brother ended up moving to LA with my dad because he, our plan was to move to LA also. But at that point, my mom had already like had a job and was settled. So she wanted to stay in New York. So I had a really interesting upbringing because I didn't grow up with my brother or dad. So I would go to visit like summers, Christmas break, but for the most part, I was in school on the East Coast. So then you decided, so you said you always knew you wanted to be a doctor though. So what was that journey like? Did you know you wanted to go into pharmaceuticals? Like what was that? You're just like, do you knew you just want to do a kind of doctor? Um, what was like that? No, process? you know, it's so funny because like, I, Persian culture is so big on like one of three professions. Your, your parents will convince you like you're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. And that's kind of the one, one of the paths you have to take to be successful. Right. So I just kind of, and I think at that point too, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't such a variation in career and there was no social media. So I just assumed doctor. The reason I went into pharmacy school was because my mom kind of presented this path to me and was like, you know, this is a great career to get in for women because um, a lot of pharmacists will work like 10 or 12 hour days, which gives them like a three or four day week. So you can be home with your kids. And um, the thing about the pharmacy program was if you applied to it into the direct program versus just doing like undergrad and grad, you could go all six years, earn your doctorate, and you would never have to apply to grad school. So I kind of liked the idea of like, once I'm in, I'm in, as long as I don't fail out and having the pressure of like, if I just major in pre-med and don't get into med school, then I'm stuck with this like random biology degree that's, you know, that's not really going to necessarily get me a job. Um, so that was the appeal to it. I always kind of thought, okay, well maybe I'll do something else with it. Like maybe I can get into like the chem, like, like creating makeup. Like I definitely didn't think about being a pharmacist, but then when I was in school, I liked it. Like I, I thought it was super interesting, like learning about how the body works and how medicine works and, I, plus being in, I went to school in Boston and like, it's such a medical town. So your norm was surrounded by that. And that was what was like cool and impressive to me. But then once I moved to LA and started working, I just didn't like it. So that right. it took a different path after that. Right. So, um, yeah, cause I, I know that you obviously your whole thing is more of a holistic approach, like how to use food and to like cause like yep. natural healing and medicine being really its last resort. So was there like a moment, and it's funny because I have a friend um, that similarly, she um, was heading the, pe the pediatrician route and felt like she had been learning so much about vaccines and, and how she didn't personally agree with it and how when she would have to give it to kids, like there was something like in her soul that she says like she literally couldn't give the vaccine because she felt like she was doing wrong and like it just was wow. starting to go wrong against her values. And everybody in her family was like in the medical field and even her boyfriend was. And she says that it was more of a spiritual awakening for her where she realized like, you know what? I think that I need to head more towards like this holistic approach. And she quit nursing and everything because of like, how much her, her body was telling her like, no, I, I don't agree with this. I know that food can help. And that, you know, I don't, I, she, she was like, I believe that like kids don't need vaccinations. And she just, it's, she, everything she was learning, she just felt like it really went against like her moral beliefs. Um, wow. And so she had that moment. Was there like a moment for you or did you feel like, like what, what made you, know, you like, really transition? Yeah. 
It's funny because I don't necessarily, um, I think a lot of people assume that I'm totally against Western medicine and I only like the holistic route. And that's never really been the case for me. It's more so, you know, when I was studying, I loved everything I was learning. Then I started working and realized that the workplace is nothing like, uh, like, like studying. Like, it's just, you don't get to practice what you learn. Like I didn't like the job environment. Um, but also my very last year of pharmacy school, while I was on rotations, when, uh, when you're in a program like that, you have a whole year of external rotation. So we basically like every six weeks, we have to like work and intern in a different job for us. So it was like hospital. I did one in like a psych unit. We did one in retail, one in compounding. And during that time, you know, it's a lot easier because you don't have exams. So my roommate and I joined a gym and I, I played sports in high school, but I definitely wasn't I, like, I never went to the gym all five years of college. I hated it. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to really give this a try. And I decided to like really give it my hundred percent and not just kind of BS, you know, like I trying to like maybe eat healthier one day or not. So we joined this gym and took this cardio kickboxing class and it totally changed my life because I loved it. I thought it was so fun. Like I loved the high I got from it and we just like would go every day and it became like this lifestyle of like, you know, and I was always pretty healthy because of the way I grew up. Like I love fresh food, but I definitely, you know, like I wasn't like, I didn't eat processed food or junk food. I ate a lot of meat, dairy, like, so that kind of started it. And then once I, um, like was permanently in LA and kind of like more in that, I mean, in between like West LA, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, like Santa Monica, it's just all wellness. And I was so surrounded by it that I was like, I got even more intertwined in it. So I think the combination of like not liking my job and wanting to do something different, being around all of this stuff in LA, um, you know, liking it myself. And I saw what Dr. Oz was doing and I was like, I kind of want to do that. Like that sounds way more fun than what I'm doing. Um, I think it just became this like health first. And one thing in pharmacy school that we learned that a lot of people don't either practice or don't talk about is that every disease state that you're diagnosing or treating the first thing you should do is lifestyle modification so even like Mm -hmm. this is like in pharmacy school we learn first assess their diet and like are they exercising like do they have high stress so it's always been that and I think for me it's the natural route first when possible like as long as you can try to prevent as much as you can um you know and even if you can't like I I believe that medication can really help a lot of people. Do I think it's like my first choice? No. But even if you are on it, it's so important to have those lifestyle modifications. Like it's not like, what I think is very wrong is like someone who's diabetic taking a pill or taking insulin, but also eating whatever they want. Like you have to have both. So I'm kind of more of an integrative approach to it, especially now with even like everything happening with like COVID-19, like I'm so thankful for Western medicine and the fact that like we're working to get a vaccine made or treatment made, like without that, you know, like we'd have nothing. Sure. So I kind of, I feel like to (laughs) long answer to your question, I'm a little more integrated than just one way or the other. Right. It's finding like that middle balance where it's not like, you're so like, just like, cause I do have those friends that are so like that where he's like, I never get sick because I only eat this. And I'm like, there's no way, dude. Right. Right. I mean, some people have great immune immune systems and like, you know, I got the flu in December and it's like the, it was, it was the actual flu because I got tested. Yeah. Um, 
it was so bad. And I haven't had the had it in like years. Like, so, you know, I don't, it's not like I was always getting flu either, but sometimes it happens. Yeah. Um, I'm the type of person that doesn't like to take like Advil. Like I don't like any, like, I don't like Same. taking medicine. Like it, I've always just had this weird thing where even my partner used to tell me like, Oh, just take like Advil is like, you have a headache. I'd be like, no, I probably am just not drinking enough water or I'm not breathing right. Or I just need to sleep. Or maybe it's cause I haven't had coffee. Like I'll say everything. He's like, okay, great. You know, but you should still take the Advil. And I'm like, uh, like, it's just like, it's a, I don't Same, even like taking it, melatonin. Like I'm like, uh. when honestly, when it comes to, like pain or like cramps or headache like it never crosses my mind to take it but if I had like strep throat I would definitely take an antibiotic if I you know if I had like I would I probably like it's not like I take an antibiotic every chance I get when I'm sick and most things are viral but you know for that I totally agree when something's just putting a band-aid on it like 90% of the time I'm not into it right well do you feel like now if you get a headache you'll take an Advil or do you have like different things no like, okay. it, oh, different. yeah, to be honest, usually I just kind of like, I'll try to like fight it or let it go. I'll like, again, try to drink more water. Maybe I'm not getting enough sleep. Like, am I not eating correctly? I just kind of go through like what's going on, what's causing it. Right. And just try to like ride it out. It just would never, it's weird. It's almost just like a natural reaction. Like I don't just go grab for an Advil. Right. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay. So let's talk about then you decided to become a content creator. So what was that process like? Obviously, you don't just start becoming, you know, your videos don't start going viral. People know who you are or, you know, like just overnight. Right. That's obviously a process. Like, were you intentional? Like, okay, this is what I, I mean, obviously you were intentional because you started doing it, but what was that process like? And when did you feel like, okay, I'm going to do this a hundred percent. This is going to be my, my bread and butter, my life. Well, first when I hated, um, hated working as a pharmacist, I was working at Rite Aid mm. and I decided I was like, I have to get another job. So I, for, it took me about a year to find another job. And I found a job at this closed door pharmacy, which basically means we did like specialty drugs. So we would do um, like injectables that were really expensive for like arthritis and it, no patients would come in. So it was like six of us back there and we'd get everything faxed in and we would just work with insurance companies. So it's almost like an office job. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be it. Like, I'm so happy here because I can like wear whatever I want. It's normal hours. And I thought that was my answer. And then after like two years there, I was like, okay, I'm not fulfilled here either. And I realized that I was just really bored that I had nothing to work for. And there was always something inside of me that didn't like working for someone else, which I don't even mean to sound arrogant in any way, but it's just the truth. Um, whether it was at Rite Aid or at this pharmacy, there was like a part of me that was like, why am I working so hard for someone else's business? That's not mine. Like, I don't care about it. That's just how I felt. And like, mm -hmm. I didn't like the idea of like someone, look, there's some bosses that are amazing and like, don't, but I felt like the two that I had, like, you know, we have like your district manager at Rite Aid and you have to give this many flu shots a day. And like, you have to like hit these numbers. And I'm like, you're not my parent. Like, don't talk to you like that. Yeah. And that really irked me. Um, I think that treating like anyone above you under you like you should always treat with respect of course there's like authority but I didn't like that um so then I tried to explore other options and it, I mean I went through so many options before I got here because social media also hadn't gotten big yet so I was like maybe I could be a private consultant and I like started creating these like powerpoints of like a website I wanted to make of like how maybe like geriatric patients could hire me and I could go through their drug interactions and I 
started thinking of all these different things. And then when I think, um, one of the first friends I made in LA was a news anchor and she was like, you should be the expert that comes on during like flu season. That'd be so cool. And then that idea, I think kind of sprung it into my head. So I asked a friend of mine in LA, I was like, she was into like web design. I was like, can you help me make a website? And she was like, oh, well, you need to go figure out your brand. And I was like, what the hell is a brand? Like, I swear that word hadn't been used. And so she sends me to this woman, Marky Costello in LA. I always like refer back to Marky. And she was like, you need to go talk to Marky about branding. So Marky was this woman who owned this like hosting academy. And she trained like different hosts, like Jason Kennedy. And like, uh, I think she even trained like Khloe Kardashian. She might've worked with Ryan Seacrest, like just a bunch of people in Hollywood to teach them. So I wanted to have a meeting with her and they were like, you can't meet with her unless you take her boot camp." And I was like, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. So I had to pay $500 for this boot camp, And it's like a class of 15 people where you have to go like read off a teleprompter and like talk. It was, it was like a nightmare to me because I, I had never done anything like that. So I get through this like boot camp, and then to schedule a meeting with her was like another $500. I don't even know what it was. I can't remember. And that was like a month later. So anyway, then I go meet with her and I'm like, this is my idea. Like, I want to like create this, like, you know, like business for myself where maybe I write a book one day and maybe I, I just knew that I wanted to have the option to do different things. It wasn't necessarily like, I want to be a wellness influencer. I saw people blogging and I was like, okay, well maybe I could do that from a, a beauty, but medical perspective. So she, when we met, like, really, really loved the idea and like completely validated it. And I think in that moment, like having that happen, I hadn't, I hadn't told anyone else. And I remember her being like, are you getting emotional? Cause my eyes kind of like teared up and I was like, yeah, like this is just like what I want to do. Like I, that was the moment where I was like, okay, like I think I can do this. So from that point on, I like built a website and, you know, first I was like, I'm going to create this website and that's going to be it. I, I didn't know if websites wouldn't be as relevant. Um, but that's, I would say how it started. And that was like five or six years ago. And then of course, like seeing how social media has grown since then and seeing like, you know, PR isn't even really what it used to be. Of course it's like ebbed and flowed, but all I knew was I wanted to build leverage to be able to do different things, whether that's create a product, whether that's be on a show, whether that's write a book. Right. And so then what was your plan? So like, were you just like, all right, every Monday I'm going to drop a video. Like, did you have like a communication plan? Like, were you thinking of it more of like a, like a business Were you, um, well, to be, it actually went, uh, it actually went, uh, definitely had its ups and downs. So first I was like in the middle of creating this website and then I decided to ask a friend of mine, like an acquaintance friend who was like very successful And I really looked up to him. I was like, Hey, will you look at like this thing I'm doing and just give me your opinion? This was like right after I had like launched my website and he looked at it and he was like, I think this is so incredible. And he had been, he had some experience in production. So he was like, I send it to my people in New York. Like, are you looking for an investor? And I was like, Oh my God. Like, I, I was, yeah. So I was so excited. So we had all these meetings and then I decided he basically was like, I will match your, your salary and benefits at the pharmacy, but wanted to take a huge chunk of my brand, which looking back, it's so funny to think about because someone owning a part of your personal brand just makes no sense. But I had no idea what I was doing at that point. All I heard was like, someone's going to match my salary and I can quit the pharmacy. So like, you know, I was making like, well, I don't know, 120,000 a year. And I was like, that's like, that's all I cared about. I want to make that and like quit. 
So I ended up signing this deal with him and he was like, don't post anything. We're going to make it, we're going to make it bigger and better. Don't say a word, keep it quiet till we launch, which as we now know is so not the strategy to go. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine for literally one year while the paperwork went through and while we signed all like lawyers and like we had to go through all this stuff, I did nothing. So literally wasted a year of time trusting this process. So we build this big website. We film these videos on YouTube, which are terrible. If you ever look back on them now, like it just, I wasn't in my element. There was too many people involved. Like it just wasn't right. It, I wasn't being myself. So we launched this big website and like, you know, we're like, we literally had like a PR party. And then of course nothing happened. Like, I don't know what I expected, like everyone to come to me with all these opportunities. And pretty much a month after launching, I realized it was a really bad decision. Not that he was bad. It just, it was not the right partnership. And, you know, he had all of his own stuff going on. So he wasn't giving it a hundred percent attention that I wanted him to. So we decided to end that partnership, um, which he was like, really, he was like, look, if this is your thing, it's fine. So I ended up, thank God, getting my whole brand back. Wow. And, and he was not that, like mad about it. No, he actually, thank God. And I, he could have been, you know, it could have gone so much worse. I'm, just, I'm so grateful, but I think he like had his own stuff going on. He's like, take your project back. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good. And that's when I started seeing, um, social media really be a thing. That's when I was like, okay, I'm doing this the wrong way. And from that point on, I was like, just Instagram content focused. And I still didn't really know in terms of like money. I just knew I wanted to keep putting out content and building an audience. So my strategy was like build, build an audience, build leverage, build an audience. Like, so I didn't make any money for three years. So after that wow. deal with him ended, I literally had to go work back at a new pharmacy. I had quit, thought I was like free. And then I was like, Oh my God, I have to go get another job. It was the most depressing thing. But okay. I found, um, actually found a really great job at this, like, um, it was like a retail, but independent, like this, this guy and his sister ran it and I loved them and it was in Santa Monica. It was nice. So I worked there for about a year and a half or two. I can't remember how long to almost two years while I did my stuff full time. And I remember telling the pharmacist there, like, this is my priority. Like not really, like I didn't want to be that involved at the pharmacy. And he was like, look, we need a pharmacy manager. I know you don't want to take on that role, but if you do it, I'll give you whatever hours you want. Like every week you could choose your hours. And I was like, amazing. So wow. we had this deal. Yeah. So I, I mean, I just like eat, slept and breathed like my brand and that's all I cared about. And then finally, when I started making enough money, I was able to quit. So it was a really long journey to get here right. and have it be a business. But you know what? I think that's so, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that. I think it's so, um, important for people to hear that it's okay to have a job while you're pursuing the vision because I think so many people just kind of want to quit and just have this job and 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 just make yep. it all full time and it's a lot of work it's so much work like just building um but I think when you have that bigger vision if you could just stay focused and think you know what this job is going to allow me to get to that place you know because I'm an actress and so a lot of actors also it's it's very difficult when you're you know, trying to break into the industry and you really have to work awful jobs, like waitressing jobs. And th that's also right. very, I mean, that's steady. most of West Hollywood. Like every, you know what I mean? Like every waitress yeah. is so attractive because they're like, they need their days free to like go to auditions. Exactly. So I, totally, I mean, also if you go into this like line of work, trying to make money right away, like you are never going to build a community that trusts you. 
like even now I'm like so careful how often I even post an ad. Like you just, you have to find that balance because people want, you need to give way more than you ask. Yeah. And you know what? I will say that you're really good at that as somebody that consumes your content. I, mm-hmm. I find it that there's some people that I do love and still admire, but there's still times that sometimes where I'm like, Oh, they have so many ads. And it, it, and from a person that is also like, cause I also am now just launched my life coaching. So from a okay. person of like understanding also like business, I get it. Like I get why they have that. And I obviously have a podcast. So I understand like the ads are going to give you money. And if you have a lot of listeners, you're going to make a lot from your podcast. But sometimes it can, yeah. from a perspective of the listener, it can get a little annoying with all the ads. So it's like, it's, it's very tricky. It's, it's hard. And I think like the difference between, I think the reason people get so annoyed with ads from an influencer versus like, let's say you're watching a show and there's an ad or you're listening to a radio station the person saying it, you know, isn't like giving their honest opinion about it. It's just mm-hmm. a paid commercial. Whereas an influencer, when they're trying to convince you that like, oh, this is like, this has been my new skincare routine or I'm obsessed with this product. Like if they're doing it all the time, it just comes off so disingenuous and mm-hmm. you don't like that you're being like lied to or trying to be tricked. Right. And, you know, especially, so I think it's, yeah. and especially because they value, like we value your opinion so much. Like for example, like right. when you did your video on sunblock, like mm-hmm. I changed my sunblock because I genuinely trusted that what you, like you had done the research, you were telling me this is how much my I love that. And trust I, have. I have, like that's, that's like literally what I use now. So I totally, yeah. I love that. And I like told my whole family, like, listen, Dr. Mona said, this is the sunblock we have to use. And like, because I trusted you, it was this, it was this genuine trust. And it's so funny when I first discovered you, I think it was, I think it was this summer uh, or like the summer, yeah. like last year. Yeah. And I was in Chicago and I would have been going through such a, like, I've always liked health and wellness, but I was going through this weird thing where I was like kind of vegan, but also like would get a lot of guilt trip from family because I'm Cuban. So, you know, mm-hmm. like your family, and I know that you've done videos with your family where you're like, okay guys, we're going to make this vegan, like trying to still vegan eat. Persian. Yep. Yeah. So that happens with Cubans where it's like, you know, I would tell my grandma like, Oh, you know, I'm going to bring this like, um, like almond milk, you know, I try changing things up or I would try being vegan. And, um, I think, and I thought, I don't remember how I discovered you, but I started finding your videos and I became obsessed. Like I kid you not, I became obsessed with your content and I would just, I would say, Oh my God. Yeah. I would literally tell myself, I'm like, Oh, I just want to like go crawl in my room and watch Dr. Mona for hours. Like watch all your videos. And I would watch from like beginning to end. Like, you know how some videos you skim, like you just give so much like context and I just genuinely believe everything that you're saying and it makes me want to, yeah. And it makes me want to be more aware. Like when you talked about like soy, I did like, I thought that I was doing good by being vegan and having like soy patties when, Oh my God, I'm so glad. See, and it's even nice for me to hear that feedback because I just assume, well, most people know soy is bad, but not everyone does. Like everyone mm-hmm. is on a different journey. And I was having soy milk because my mom was like, soy is good because of estrogen. So I just assumed, okay. Oh well, my God. That's what I thought. Don't drink soy milk. It's yeah. for anyone who's listening to this, um, watch the video on it because it's hard to be like, sometimes some soy is okay and some isn't, but you know, I think it needs context. Yeah. But I will just say for a quick tip for anyone, like there's so many better milk alternatives, like hemp, almond, coconut, like choose anything else. Yeah. But that's really nice to hear. And honestly, feedback like that, when I do hear it, even just puts more weight on me to like be so make researched and honest and always make sure like 
Like people are watching it and are going to take your word and live their life that way. That's a huge responsibility. Oh and I God. think yes. too many people don't take that. Like even with brand deals, I swear, like if I try it and it's good, but I'm not obsessed, I'm not going to share it. I'm like, I can't, I, I need to be obsessed with something to recommend it. I just don't want to like half-ass a recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. And my audience, like a lot of, a lot of the girls that are my friends, they know who you are and they're like, oh my God, we all love you for the same reason, just because the way you share and we all I, like you said, you know, I grew up in Miami, but I also live in New York. So it's, and we're all actors. So I think health and wellness is also kind of a part of like, you have to kind of start ingraining it if you're an actor, but just, yeah, yeah, just, just of yourself for sure. Yeah. And it's just the way that you like share and stuff. I do want to talk a little bit about, um, obviously, so you're, you're plant-based. Um, mm-hmm. so what made you go that route and what, um, like, why would you recommend it? And essentially like, yeah, let's start with that. Like what made you go that route and why would you even recommend it for people to consider? So I, um, when I moved to LA, I like just being totally transparent, I was definitely like not as confident and I really wanted to be like, I wanted to like, I don't know if fit in is the right word. Cause it wasn't like that. But when I was in this new scene, I just like was very influenced by it. And like, you know, we'd go out. I used to eat red meat at that point, And like girls wouldn't order red meat and they would, you know, it was like this whole thing. And I was like, Oh, I don't want red meat either. Like, I guess it's not good for you. Cause I, you know, I'd like almost like looked up to that lifestyle. So it was interesting then. So I kind of stopped eating red meat and I would eat like chicken and, you know, sometimes have cheese, but I always liked alternative milk anyway. So that was something I kind of stopped doing. Um, and then it got to a point, um, my brother has like a slight cardiac condition and it wasn't getting any better. And he went to this cardiologist who was like, this is when I was probably like five years ago, who was like, um, you know, you need to lose 20 pounds and go vegan. That's like, we need to get there first because it's your diet. And so I decided to be supportive of him. So I was like telling um, his ex-wife now at the time, but I was like, we should all go vegan. Cause that's not very nice if we're at dinner, like eating things and he can't eat it. Aww. So I decided to go vegan to support him. And then my dad was also supposed to go vegan, but neither of them really stuck with it. And I did. Um, but my thoughts on it, I've definitely, uh, I used to be very hardcore on it. Really where I stand now in terms of plant-based is either a full or mostly fully plant-based diet. Um, my biggest thing I'd say that I'm like die hard on is eating clean, whole foods, unprocessed, um, you know, just eating things like as they are intended in nature, like using real vegetables, like, you know, instead of going for like a packaged rice, that's already pre-seasoned, like just season it yourself, you know, like I don't have any necessary restrictions on like gluten or, or like grains. Like I pretty much eat gluten free, but you know, if it's there once in a while, I don't care. I think that for anyone who still wants to incorporate, if they are incorporating meat or fish, what I would recommend is all of your snack food, packaged food, everything should be vegan. So like if you're buying chips, like don't buy cheese flavored chips. Like the process of like that milk from that cow, which is already like shoved with antibiotics and hormones to processing it into like a cheese to getting shit to then drying it and then putting in that chip. There's so much that happens. It just makes it not clean and really like hard for your body to process this like foreign chemical. If you're going to like, you know, there's so many options of like amazing vegan snacks and like you can sub like coconut butter or coconut oil for butter. And then if you want to add in a fish a couple times a week, if you really want to eat meat twice a week, I know some people 
really just find it. They feel better on it. You can get sustainable organic. You can get grass fed. So that's kind of where I stand on it now where it's like at least go 80%. Okay. I think they, thank you. Um, and, and I, and I like that you're also very balanced person, um, which you could tell, like, even when you say like medicine and holistic, you're so very centered. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like kind of a really great approach. And, um, I will say like for me, when I, when I started going vegan, um, I did Mm -hmm. find it at at times a little difficult to, um, just like, I, especially like now I love chips and I've, Mm -hmm. and I'm now trying to do a little bit less gluten and how you said, like yesterday I said, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I want hummus because I love hummus. I love dips. So I like love guacamole. I love hummus. And so I said, Oh, I'm going to get, um, I got plantain chips. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, these are actually healthier than getting like um, kind of like ruffles with cheese on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so, so you said that you like are primarily a little gluten. So would you say that like you still do sometimes eat gluten? Like, and what is the thing with the gluten? Like why people should stay kind of away from gluten? So my thing on gluten is there's really no good that comes with gluten. Like if we can avoid it, even if you don't have intolerance, even if you don't have like an allergy, you know, it's not, it's not like a healthy thing in food that you want to eat. So I love to eat almost everything gluten-free because there's so many amazing alternatives like pasta, no brainer. I never, I mean, the only time I'm eating like traditional, like flour pot, you know, like white flour pasta is if I'm at like an amazing Italian restaurant. And you'll eat but it in my right? kitchen. Like you'll be like, I'll eat it. To. Yeah, yeah, I will. I mean, sometimes there's egg in it, and I'm like, if I don't know, like I'll still eat it. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm just yeah. not that rigid with it. And it's it's not too often that I'm at like you know dinners like that. Usually I'm at a place where I know they have options. Right. Um, but you know my pantry is like brown rice pasta, chickpea pasta, lentil pasta. I mean the op the the options are endless. So that you know in terms of that, that's easy. In terms of like crackers, there's just endless options of gluten-free crackers. That's another thing. You can find grain-free gluten-free crackers and they taste the exact same. There's really no difference. You can find chips that are gluten-free. The one thing that I do still eat is whole wheat bread. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like um, Ezekiel bread. So sometimes I'll get like sprouted. If there's like sprouted organic whole wheat in it, or sometimes if there's like spelt or different types of grains that maybe have gluten, I'm okay with that. Um, mainly because honestly, like gluten-free bread to find a vegan gluten-free bread that's super clean and doesn't have other additives. It all depends on the grocery store I'm at and like what Mm -hmm. options in front of me. So that's just the one thing I won't get super picky on, but everything else where it's very, very easy to just like incorporate, I think it's like kind of like a why not. Right. I think it's so funny you said with the pastas, because I feel like I was telling one of my friends when I was, I mentioned earlier that that is my hardest thing. Like I can't find a pasta that's good. And she's like, Oh, you have to try and brown rice pasta. Cause I've tried the chickpea one and I hate it. Like it's it definitely, the chickpea like, one's a little bit different. I don't ugh. mind it personally, but brown rice is so yummy. Have you tried okay. it? No, but she was saying the same. So I it think is, that that's, that's what that's I need definitely, to try. Definitely the best one is brown rice. Cause my favorite food is Italian, like Alfredo sauce, like, like with broccoli and like chicken, like, you know, chicken Alfredo. And that's so not good. Wait, like, did you see, wait, did you see my Instagram post about the kelp noodles with the vegan Alfredo that I posted recently? No, I haven't seen oh it. Oh my God. It's like a few weeks down. Um, okay. I'm going to actually post a blog of it, but okay. making, I mean, obviously look also when you start changing your eating habits, it's, you'll see how much your taste buds change. Right. The other day, I mean, I was like, early, I don't know, it's like two months ago now. 
made vegan cookies at my friend's house and her husband. And we were like, oh my God, these are so good. And he took a bite and he was like, when's the last time you had a cookie that wasn't? And I was like, maybe I forgot what, you know, real butter and like adding a pound of white sugar tastes like, but I'm not upset at that. I'm glad my taste buds have changed to prefer like whether, you know, whether it's like monk fruit or banana. So your taste buds will change, but Making, right, because to his point, he's like, this isn't good. Yes, and I'm right. like, what are you talking about? It was delicious. We all thought it was delicious, but maybe he's so used to eating kind of like that traditional sugary, buttery, you know, like food that like it's just not something that's in my diet anymore. But if you take – there's so many recipes if you look them up, like taking cashews and almond milk and nutritional yeast and a little garlic and blending it, you can make like the best creamy sauce. Mm. And I made it with like a kelp noodle, which – tastes like you're eating like glass noodles and it's just literally made from seaweed. But you can even do that and put it over brown rice pasta and like put some broccoli in there. And I swear like it's very satisfying and it's heavy too. It's cashews are a lot of calories. It's, it's a heavy food, but you know, it's, it's still better than adding in like the dairy in my opinion. Right. And I think that's exactly what I need to do is I need to get more intentional with cooking because I think what happens is you're, you yep. get a little lazy. So it's just like, Oh, give me the Alfredo sauce. Give me the packaged stuff. Give me the packaged like little meat. And then I'll just- and trust me this. You don't even have to cook. Like if you have a magic bullet, you literally just have to blend dry ingredients. Like it's beyond easy. You just have to do it once because it's intimidating before you do it. You're like, this is too much work. Then once you do that one time and realize just like literally how simple it is, it's a five minute thing. You'll, you'll be changed. And so you said something about the taste buds, which I thought was interesting because my friend also mentioned to me like, oh yeah, your taste buds will change. Like instead Mm -hmm. of you wanting like chips, you're going to want, like you're going to realize you actually just want celery. So is this like an actual thing? Like do your taste buds actually change or is this like, what do you mean by that? Because you guys both said that. I don't know this. Like I'm not even saying this scientifically. I'm Mm -hmm. saying this from personal experience. I definitely don't equate a a celery to a chip. So I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) But you, it's, you know, I feel like I'm thinking back to like in college when I would eat, like I'd get like a nacho cheese Dorito bag and sit at the, it was like, I, I mean, during finals, it was like, I don't even know what I ate to stay up all night studying. And like, I would eat this like junk kind of, and you know, there's so many options now where I could still eat like a white cheddar cheese puff that's vegan or something. Or I think you almost like realize how much better you feel eating clean. It's truly like, that's the motivation when you finish eating a meal that's like clean and healthy and like still very, very like flavorful and heavy and satisfying, it doesn't have to be like, it's not just cold salads. Yeah. You feel so good in a, like a satisfied way of good that you love that feeling and you don't really crave that junk. And don't get me wrong. There's definitely times when like, you'll say you're like at a party with people and there's a big thing of chips, they look good and they smell good, but you just kind of learn to like get past that. And once it becomes like not an option, it's just not an option. Like, I used to go to McDonald's and get chicken nuggets and fries. And like, now it's like, that would never, ever cross my mind to go get fries at McDonald's. Like I would rather go to like, I mean, I don't even know, like Whole Foods and get their like roasted potatoes or, or, you know, or like make my own It just go like putting that in my body wouldn't be an option. Whereas it was before. So you'll realize like how much it changes. And I used to love salt. And when I learned, you know, that you should limit it. I totally stopped eating it and cooking with it. Like the only time I eat it is like if I put a little on a salad, I never cook with it. Mm-hmm. And I'd go home from college and my mom would make me food and she loves salt. And I'm like, I can't eat this rice. Like it's too salty. So you realize like your taste buds change for that because you just get used to a different palate. Right. Like you're more aware of it now. I totally mm-hmm. feel that. 
I totally see that. Interesting. Okay. So I have like so many little things that start, that are coming up into my mind. So if someone's like, I really want to switch over, you know, I'm not really aware. What would you say are like the best way to say, maybe they don't want to go vegan, but what are the things that you're like, look, if yeah. you could just cut out dairy, if you could just cut, like, what would you say mm-hmm. are the must cutouts? at least that? Um, I would say the first thing to do, dairy is huge and it's very, it's not only huge to cut out because of like how many negative effects it can have on you. I kind of go into two things with dairy. Number one, um, just dairy in general is not really, you know, my theory on it is that it's not really intended for humans. You know, it's meant for a baby cow. So like, you know, the, the ingredients that like not ingredients, the makeup of breast milk for a mother to her baby is meant to make the baby grow. So helping like a baby calf grow into a cow, like you don't need the same kind of hormones that are put in there naturally. And on top of that, for almost everyone listening to this, they're not milking a cow themselves. They're getting milk at a store, which, you know, even when they say, you'd be surprised, even when they say free range just means that like, there's no wall on the, on the whatever in the farm. Even when they say like hormone free, you just don't know like the, like the regulations that they can get around. I don't trust it. So I would say cut dairy because there's beyond amazing options of cheese, butter. You can, anytime you're baking, literally sub coconut oil for butter. And like, I don't notice a difference. It's easy. So I would say cut that and then start experimenting with different things before you totally cut things out. Like even I'm with like my boyfriend's family and I you know, I'm teaching them like I'm using egg, like one night they were all eating meat and I, I had an eggplant. So I cooked it for myself and like, they're like, Oh my God, it's so good. Like they would have never thought to do that. I talk about how Persian salads, like you add, you add a lot of fresh mint into like sandwiches. So I made one and I made one for them and they were like, now they're putting mint in all their sandwiches and they're learning like all these different vegetables that you can add in. And I think when you kind of learn these different flavor palettes and like learn alternative things and you experiment with it, that's easier than just like tomorrow I'm going to cut everything off. Right. It's like introducing to add before you subtract. Okay. Yes, exactly. Right. And exactly. so what about eggs? Like, do you recommend cutting eggs out? Cause I've heard some people tell me cut it out and like, what would you recommend on that? You know, I, I personally don't like like eating them. I, it's, it's not, or it's my preference, but I don't have like a super strong preference on it. Um, you know, I think that going plant-based in general, I think for most people is really the healthier route, but you know, I know there was the the documentary, which said eating an egg is like poke, smoking a pack of cigarettes. And I think that was like very much debunked because some yeah. of those stats were just really intense. I kind of go back with eggs similarly to like, with dairy, like the kind of egg you're getting, where it's coming from. Um, I'm personally not a fan, but I think that there's worse things to eat than eggs. You know, like I would say, if you're cutting out pork and chicken and uh, red meat and eggs are all you're eating, you're still on a better path. I also just want to say, I know most people who go vegan or plant-based, it's like, if they have a slip up, it's like, they're so like, Oh, like I can't be vegan because I just have to have this burger every two weeks when I see my parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where it's like, who says that it has to be a hundred percent or nothing? Right. Because I think sometimes those slip ups make you discouraged to do it because you're like, I can't do it. Forget it. Why am I even going forward? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just think like one is better than zero, you know, like 10 is better than nothing. Like think of it that way. You're still doing good for yourself. So just do as much as you can. And maybe eventually it will, it will sink in more. 
Right. I think that's so interesting you say that because when I first started, like, I think I'm more now on the, um, I'm okay if I eat meat as, and, but when I first started, I had so much food guilt, like, and I would ask my friend, my friends and my family, do you guys have like food guilt? Like, do you ever feel bad? Like that you might want a burger? And I would just like literally feel so like, maybe the food didn't make me feel bad, but I made myself feel like so bad. And my family also like, I think not as anymore because I, I don't think I promote being vegan. Like I just, I just do what I do. I don't like, before I used to post so much of my vegan stuff and people would either try to like hold you accountable or they would kind of sometimes shame me, be like, oh, did you know that this isn't vegan? Like I tried the, um, the, you know, the collagen stuff and they're like, that's not vegan. That's coming from bones and like kind of shaming me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like I'm just trying to introduce like, like collagen it's- into my life. So it's like so much like health shaming sometimes. If I'm, right. You know, I, and hate, I'm like, I hate that. I think like educate, don't shame. Cause you're just yeah. going to turn people off and like people are learning and it's new. Like this is, it's still somewhat, you know, like it's obviously way more common now, but it's still new information to people. And like, it's, there's just no need to shame anyone for anything. Like you can share your opinion, but you know, even with being vegan, like you can say morally that people who eat meat are just bad people and you know, whatever, but you know, you could also be like, what about the clothes you're wearing? Like, you know, that's child labor. Like, where are you buying it from? Like everyone could go into what's important to them and what matters to them. So it doesn't mean that one, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any room to shame anyone unless you're mother Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, so I know that also you've talked about like clean products, like clean beauty. I know, I remember you were, you were trying to transition into that and that was going to be a whole new, like crazier to look at, like now with products and stuff. I know you use, was it the third generation or something like that? Something generation? I think you're the one. Oh, seventh, oh, seventh generation. Seventh generation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're the one that introduced that to me. So I started buying that because I was like, okay, she said, use this. This is what I'm going to (laughs) use. That's a brand. I love, I love finding a brand that you can just trust. Like mm-hmm. I, I posted about like Sakara, this food company. I sometimes order meals from and like whatever they put in, I know I can trust. So yeah. I love seven Gener- I use their laundry detergent. I use their cleaning supplies, everything non-toxic. Yeah. And so what has it been like for you when it comes to like, like makeup, like have you felt like you've been, I don't know, like clean beauty. Has that been like a weird process for you? Have you been um, able to incorporate that into your life or? How do you feel on the clean beauty and the clean products? Um, so I clean skincare, I pretty much use all clean skincare, clean beauty. It's funny because I don't really wear makeup. The only time I'm wearing makeup is when I get it done. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not very good at it myself. So whenever I whenever I film, I get it done. Like um, so I'm not really um, you know, if I were to wear foundation like every single day, I would definitely pay more attention to it. But because I'm getting it done anyway, like I'm just like I can't control what people are using on me. I mean, I guess I could if I really cared that much about it. Right. But I'm definitely trying out as much clean as I can. Like well people uh just for like W three L L. Uh, they sent me um, some really clean makeup. Ilya has some clean makeup. So I'm trying out. I think really the key is like the foundations. I guess I'm not great at eyeshadow, so I'm sure the pigment matters. But I definitely would love to get there. Right. The brands that I liked in the past, uh, like I love Becca, and I know it's definitely not like a super clean brand. So that's something I'm still a work in progress for. But when it comes to skincare, like 90% is right. non-toxic. Because you know that's like what you're using more of. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. So I asked on my Instagram, what are some questions like people wanted me to make sure I asked you? 
And um, one of my friends wanted me to ask you about skincare, specifically acne. Um, I know you have videos and stuff like that, and she's dealing with a lot of scarring. So um, what would you say, obviously, from your perspective, um, what's been your um, thoughts on getting, she wanted to know about vampire facials specifically, and she wanted to know, like, what do you think about, you know, microneedling? What do you think about acne? Like, what would you say kind of about, like, just skincare in general? Um, so the vampire facial is kind of a silly name for it. It's basically mm -hmm. just saying, um, like PRP with microneedling. So where you take, uh, you draw your blood, you spin out your plasma and you, you're basically your platelets and then you like roll it over your face either with microneedling or without, there shouldn't be blood on your face. That was more the old school way to do it. In fact, mm -hmm. um, if there's blood on your face, that's actually a less, effective facial because that means they're not spinning the plasma out of your blood. Um, if they're just putting the blood, if this makes sense, like your blood is filled with plasma and platelets and blood. When they spin it, they basically separate all the platelets out, which is what you want. So that's why it's called platelet-rich plasma, which is PRP. So it's almost like you're getting in that little vial, you're getting more concentrated platelets versus like this huge thing of blood, which has them dispersed everywhere. So if you're just putting the blood on, you're actually not even getting the most powerful component. I really think that was like a marketing thing to, to, mm. just to make people feel like they're getting a better facial when they're red and bloody. The plasma in itself is more of like a yellow color, mm. so you won't see anything. So it's amazing. It's great preventative. I've done three sessions of it. Um, definitely didn't notice like super intense results. I kind of look at it as more of a preventative thing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So it's something I'd like to do maybe like once a year. Um, and what was the next thing you asked about? Uh, just like dealing with acne in general. Like what would you say to people that are dealing with acne? And yes. um, I'd say a few things. If you have a lot of acne, definitely look into your regimen, your diet, and your water. Those are three mm -hmm. things that can really help. Um, if for some reason those don't help, which for a lot of people they don't. Um, and I, I also don't like when people feel shamed that like, oh, it must be something they're doing. Like sometimes it's your hormones and sometimes it, you know, your body produces more acne. Um, getting on a really good topical regimen can help, whether that's prescription or even like different alpha hydroxy acids, like, like colic, lactic acid. That's when I would recommend seeing like a dermatologist or a really okay. good esthetician. In terms of scarring, it depends. If it's like a textured scar, like a pitted scar, really the only thing that's going to help that is laser, unfortunately. Really? If it's just discoloration, like if you have discoloration from like a pimple, you could use lightening agents like vitamin C can help and retinols can help and you can get that stuff over the counter. But if it's like really deep acne scars, that's all that's going to help, which is an investment. But, you know, once it goes away, it doesn't come back. Yeah. So worth it. Yeah. My um, dermatologist, he's, he's great. And uh, right now he has me on a topical because he says he wants to use that first to see if the retinols will start doing. Cause I was like, am I supposed to like microneedle this? I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Like, you know, cause you see so many videos. So you think, you know, you know, so I'm like walking exactly. and I'm like, is that what I'm supposed to do? Should we just do it already? I'm ready. Like, let's just get it done. And then he's yeah. like, no, we're going to start you on this first, see how your skin works. And then we'll talk. Yeah. Always, like always go slow. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So thank you for answering that. Um, so during these crazy times, obviously we're in quarantine, um, dealing with COVID. Um, what would you feel yep. like you personally has been like your biggest lesson? Like what's been the biggest just challenge and thing that you've noticed the most and what you're really taking out of this time for yourself? Um, 
to that I've really learned, not learned, but like realized how much I appreciate the little things mm. and not to take the little things for granted. I mean, no one could have ever imagined this <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really intense. So I think like just being able to like go grab a coffee or like walk down the street and just appreciating those things and how quickly like things can change. Um, I've also really been trying to not be so like if I sleep in, like, like, you know, getting stressed, if I'm not like as productive one day and just kind of like allowing yourself to like not be perfect all the time. I mm-hmm. think that sometimes we don't realize what an emotional strain this is on everybody, whether you're like in danger of or lost your job, whether you're worried about your family because maybe your parents still have to work or maybe you're fearful just of like what's going to happen in the world or maybe you were in college, maybe you had to cancel like a big event like your wedding, like everyone is affected by it differently. And I think like letting yourself, just giving yourself a little bit of a break and certain days that I'm like feeling off, I've just really learned to be less hard on myself because I used to like try to push through and whatever. And I'm just being way more gentle on myself now. Right. I love that. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask like, what are some, like, how do you like, what are the things that you're doing when you do find yourself? Cause I'm actually very similar to you where, and I think now I find myself having a little bit of anxiety and I haven't had an anxiety in a really long time. And I think what's happening is that Obviously, we're in a global pandemic. Like, what? Right. Like, but I don't allow myself to process that because I'm just like, no, I'm good. I work from home. I'm going to – and I find myself at it, doing a lot more projects. And now, you know, I'm, I'm just overloading my plate. And I feel like I wake up and I have so many things I have to do. And I want to do my morning routine. And I want to meditate. And I want to work out. And I feel like everybody's trying to be super productive right now. So I think that there's also this layer of, like, you still feel like you have to – run a race. And I think that that's been even some, one of my realization is that there's no race ever. Like even when we're all outside, like there really isn't this race, but for some reason we feel like we're constantly running a race and like this person's creating content and I'm not, so they're, they're going to get ahead. It's like, that's, that's like this illusion that we've been conditioned. Um, yeah. What, um, One thing I've learned to do that's really helped me, and this is almost like a newer thing, is like when I'm feeling a little bit off, I kind of respect it and let Mm -hmm. myself feel it and don't push myself. Because in the past, I would try to like force myself to do the workout and like do whatever. But I've just been like this since I was younger. It's never changed about me. Like it's almost like takes over my whole being. And then I've learned that it will pass in like a few hours, maybe like sometimes it's a little thing that will turn me around, but I can't force it to pass. So what I do in those moments when I'm like, I just don't want to film a video. I don't want to do this. I'll try to do like mindless things to feel productive. Literally. Like I'll do laundry. I'll make the bed. I'll like shower. I'm like, what can I do? That's like, I don't have to like use my brain the way I don't want to. And that's my way of kind of feeling productive without being productive. And there's some of the times where I'll just like lay in bed for an hour or do whatever, but then it will pass and then I feel better. So sometimes it's just this weird wave that comes over and I'm like, I can't fix it right now. I just have to let it pass. Yes, that is so true. That literally happened to me like two days ago. I started feeling a little sad and I caught myself feeling a little sad and I called one of my girlfriends and we started FaceTiming and then we both cried and then I got up, I made the bed, I went skating, I FaceTimed her while I was skating around. I did like two miles, came inside, I like washed the dishes, cleaned the kitchen, started having like like eating and then I'm like, 
I feel great. Like I just needed to kind of maybe cry, work out, eat, but I needed a friend too. And I think when you kind of like don't shame it, you're just like, let me go and do something, try to move in a different direction and just be like, okay. And then I remind myself, I'm trying to be gentle with myself and be like, okay, Liz, also remember like, because yesterday I went to go get groceries and I started feeling really anxious. And my partner's like, why are you anxious? And I'm like, I don't know. There's something about everybody wearing masks and feeling I have to be like, it's, it, it, there's this, I think also like empaths, we pick it up. You know what I mean? Like yep, I'm feeling exactly. other people's anxiety. So I think I'm picking up their stuff, even though it's not mine, you know? Yep. Totally. Um, Awesome. Well, uh, so I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be on my podcast. It really means so much. And just want to ask you, where can the listeners connect with you? Um, what's the um, best way to get to know you more? I am across the board, Dr. Mona Van, D-R-M-O-N-A-V-A-N-D. And um, I actually am creating most of my content on TikTok right now. So oh my I'm gosh. Super- yeah, I'm putting out like three or four videos a day there. So you can find me there, but then I'm also on YouTube and Instagram. Amazing. Okay, great. We'll make sure that everybody goes and connects with you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much again for um, taking the time to be on my podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. And there you guys have it. That was my episode with Dr. Mona. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you got excited about health and wellness. It was such a beautiful conversation. And honestly, guys, I was a little nervous, but I was so excited. It felt like such a win to get such an incredible guest on my show. I mean, I look up to her so much and I've been consuming her content. And really what I would say, if you are a podcast person or a person that creates content, during the quarantine, my goal was like, let's reach out to like the big fish, like the people that I know that are just at home right now, right? I'm sure they're creating content and doing things, but they probably have more of a of a yes because their their schedules, their busy schedules have probably come to not as busy. So I really just reached big and tried to get the people that I really wanted to have on my show. And I think that's just a testament that you can do that too, not just in quarantine, because now we are moving into phases one and eventually our earth will be opening back up. But really just a testament, like guys, you have nothing to lose. If you do wanna start a podcast or like you just wanna create content and reach these higher platforms, I would say you have nothing to lose. Reach for the stars. And uh, yeah, that's all I wanna say today, guys. I hope you have an incredible, incredible day today. Share this podcast with a friend. Take a screenshot of you listening to it and post it on your story so I can post it on mine. And yeah, let's just spread the word. And I hope you know that you are amazing. You are important in this world. You have a purpose and you are here on purpose. And I just want you to know that you are loved. If no one's told you that today, tell it to yourself. You're incredible. You're amazing. Keep on shining. Till next time.